Hello and welcome to this week's episode of BWB Extra, where we continue our conversation with David Levin, co-founder and creator director of That Lot, an award-winning social creative agency. We take a deeper look into how David went from being a freelance writer to becoming the world's first professional tweeter, being paid to be the voice for some of the world's biggest brands, to then meeting David Schneider, who he started That Lot with. Welcome to A Tweeter's Life. I tweet, personally, nothing to do with my work. Yep. And I don't want to be, like, I don't want people retweeting my tweets because I swear a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of, there are a lot of people like that. And there was a period a couple of years ago where people used to ring me up and go, yeah, I saw you in the newspaper. I'd be like, what? And they're like, yeah, you're in the Guardian. Um, something about Pippa Sturt on Twitter says, and there was some random journalist who was clearly not bothering to do their homework very much, was following me on Twitter. And I tweet a lot about politics because I'm very politically engaged. And they would just take my tweets or there was something about Jermaine Greer being a twat. And I said, you know, I kind of tweeted something about Jermaine Greer and they were taking my tweets and quoting them in their articles. Yeah, this is the problem, I suppose. Well, this is the, again, depending on how you look at it, this is the the beauty and also the the risk of Twitter in that journalists do do that. And, And by the nature of Twitter, really, and social media, but definitely Twitter... It's kind of presumed, unless you have a private account, that whatever you you're putting that. out there is you're putting it out it's there. Public. Really. Yeah, well, yeah. I tweeted, whoever is the journalist following my account and using me as quick copy, can you please stop it? And they just did. That's good. A yeah, lot of journalists really wouldn't have been And saying, then you were like, oh, I kind of missed no. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't want my firm to know that I was No, like, fair enough. You know. The funny thing about Twitter is when it first came about, it was like, what? It just didn't make any sense. People kept explaining it to me and I was like, it's like a public texting account. It's like, that is about, but actually, ironically now, it's the one, it's the only one that still makes sense to me. It's like the one now that it's like, because it's still, you know, short form, it's verbal. Yeah, you can put, but it's this sort of, I don't don't even use it. I follow it. Technically, I have one as a musician. I I never really, you know, I I found social media incredibly hard to be consistent on. You know, my my problem with it is, and and that seems to be what you were very good at. And and I wonder whether it sort of comes down to a second thing, which is you gave yourself constraints. It's very good to have constraints in life, to have a sort of like, this is the rule. Yeah, creatively, I think it is. And as a writer... It definitely is. And I I suppose I was just lucky because I've always loved writing short, punchy copy. I've always been into Particularly in the early days of Twitter. I joined Twitter when there were 400 people on it. Wow. 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 You're early. Because my best friend lives in San Francisco and is a bloke. So the only way I was ever going to converse with him was via some kind of internet. That thing. is very yeah. early, though. Yeah, yeah. You wow. should get a little special party. Once Definitely. I haven't even got a blue tick. Um, also, I don't want to gloss over. You mentioned you're a musician, and I'm also a musician. So that's something we should talk about. What instrument? What instrument? Of rap. You rap. I rap. Wow. <laughs> it's surprising, rap. isn't it? <laughs> wow, wow, wow. What do you play? I'm a drummer. Hey. And I. Um, well, that's all we need. Fuck everyone else. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's us. We're good. I've always just been driven by the fact that writing things down is this amazing thing and it's something you can do on your own. Mm. And from a young age, I'd write little... I, to be honest, I don't, I don't think I started writing poems or writing... It started writing in rhyme would be a more accurate way of putting it till sort of like my later teens or 18. But I used to... I had a terrible time at school and that was like you know, the one thing I could do is pull out a piece of paper and write what I felt about it, you know, and that's definitely for me rap as well. It's like, it, and, and one of my problems at the moment, one of the interesting things that I can now connect back to you is 
basically, what, what I'm told is the really interesting, funny thing is it's the accountant trying to be a rapper. That's a good story. It is you know? hilarious. Hey, everyone thinks fair. it's hilarious. People love it. My name's Rebel ACA, which is my qualification, <laughs> ACA. But I'd say, you know, Rebel Accountant. I did be, not know that. Did you not know That's that? Hilarious. Anyway, so, but my problem is when I sit, to, <laughs> when I want to write raps, it's because I'm upset generally. I use it as an outlet. So it's more like, you know, woe is me or some shit or whatever. But actually what they want, what people want, which I can do, and I've been trying to make myself do it, it's right about the fact I'm having a fight with a photocopier, you know, and, and that's funny and we'll do a rap about it or something. So I have some material like that and every time I do a song like that, people are like, I love this fucking song. Relatable rap. You know, but I find it and because of what drives me, and that's why I'm curious about your mindset, and maybe you come at it from the point of view of more of a professional writer, because writing to me is, is a, a thing I do to relax, a thing I do to deal with my shit. Writing comedy, short comedy, feels really difficult. Like, it feels easy, is what it almost feels. So it feels like I'm writing stupid shit, yeah. and then you read it to someone, and they're like, oh, no, I like that. That's, I can understand yeah. that. What drives you, you know? Well, in terms of the, the Dolphin account, what was, and I completely uh, I agree with what you, you said, I feel like that. But what was really liberating and what kind of changed my career as a writer, and actually and changed my life really, was uh, writing as a character. Mm. So, and, it, and so this account, I wasn't just sort of tweeting for a pub, I was tweeting as a... Um, as Turkish if I was, pub owner. I, well, it wasn't so much <laughs> Turkish, but I was as if I was someone who was working in the pub, and I, my, in my head it was just like an exaggerated version of the type of person that goes there. And I was the type of I went there, but it was just like a, a really larry, it's a really sweary account, a really sort of boot. And the only things that I ever tweeted about were nineties um, and noughties hip hop and R and B and booze, and that was it. <laughs> but because I was doing it as a character. That was very liberating as a writing experience and it made me much better as a writer. And also from a tweeting and social media, because prior to that, like I say, I had an account, but I'd never really, I still found it a bit kind of awkward doing a tweet. Like a lot of people, when I meet them now, say, oh, I don't know what to say. And it's, I feel very self-conscious. Because you personally. You're putting yourself than... out there. And like you said before about there's always, oh, is someone going to see it? And is someone gonna... and But when all of a sudden, if you're just behind this someone else, and this, this of course, has led to problems now with people use it negatively and as trolls. But what I say to people who are trying to get into uh, writing in social media or writing in general is, even if it doesn't have to be something that you want it to be a success, just set up a character account because it's going to sort it's of really set really good discipline to it's keep really within, discipline. within that character that Definitely. you've created. How do you do it? Do you write down principles of the character that I you... I mean, no, I, I hadn't... Uh, that's much more... I, I would be... You were you were one of... That was a piece of your life, I guess. You, you The character yeah. of you was... It wasn't hard to get into that character. Can you it was see just an him in your head when you think about that Great question. Twitter account? Yes. Yeah. Because it is, And it was always... And I don't want to over, I think now I'm going to start saying, like, you know, I was creating a character for a Coen Brothers film. It was just like yeah. a little shitty Twitter account. But it was in my head definitely just like an exaggerated, slightly cooler, slightly drunker <laughs> version of me who worked in the pub. That's what it was. And uh, me at that time, definitely not me now. It'd be very boring now. But um, it worked. And I think it, what it did was it also made me, outside of that account, find it much easier to communicate in social media. And then, as I mentioned before because that account was doing well. And there were a few things that happened specifically during the Olympics. Um, I just started experimenting with it. And because my job was uh, being a freelance writer and I was always like coming up with little games and stuff, I just started trying things on Twitter that people weren't doing. And I just came up with this, it was just a silly type of quiz, but back then in a sort of Twitter format that people weren't using. And it 
trended. People love quizzes. People love, love a quiz. The word I did a, it was a oh real sweary quiz about the Olympics and it trended above the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> and it was at that point when people started DMing the account going, who's running this account? Can you please come in? This was, was for the dolphin again. Yeah, and quite a lot. And it was quite a big account. People were like, can you come tweet for us? Brands, including, funnily enough, Jägermeister. But all the brands <laughs> were And then... The one Just the pay first, me in Jägerbombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels very on brand, to be exactly. honest. Exactly. That sort of fell down, that conversation, because, funnily enough, I mean, they were lovely. I don't know if they're anyone's from... Too sweary. No, no, they said, we really like your tweets and we're, we're quite happy for it to be edgy, but we don't really talk about Jägerbombs. And I was like, oh, that's all I've got really, Jägermeister. <laughs> They, saw, they were more of a premium. Anyway, but um, then, so I started doing it for loads of brands and the big first one, professional one, was The Voice. And because back then, most TV and broadcast and brands were really bad at social and most of them were particularly bad at Twitter, it was quite easy to stand out and no one was really doing that for a living. Now yeah. there's thousands of professional tweeters. And then, yeah, but because I was doing it, I was like, wow, no one else is here. I just started doing it for loads and loads of brands. And I was, yeah, just luckily getting a lot of work because there were loads of brands and agencies like us now, but years before we set up, who were like winning contracts with big brands. And part of those contracts were, hey, you need to do our social media. And they didn't really know how to do it. And they're like, oh, have you heard about this guy who tweets for a living? Mm. And so I was just going around loads of agencies. I, I was getting more work than I could that, do. That was so true. When, and it's still true to an extent that the PR companies go, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Totally. And, and they're like... And then you, I've just learned time and time, they don't know a fucking thing about the digital world. No, you it's know, great. A lot, a lot a of long them may still... that continue. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Ori Clark got its start back in 1935. And while the world has changed a bit, it's more than just survived. From complying with the FCA and all things financy, they can also speak fluently in the language of legalese. Aubrey Clark was born and raised right here in the UK, and now for 20 years they've been helping others get set up and on their way. Aubrey Clark's doors always open and happy to provide straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. Big shout out to Sean Veer Singh for a stellar jingle. You can find him at Sean Veer Singh Music on Instagram. And at this point, let me quickly remind you to give us a nice review, please, on Apple Podcast or follow us on Spotify so you'll never miss an episode. Now back to the chat. Because the thing about Twitter, I know, I know people, you know, it is business related in some respects. But the thing about Twitter is it is people with their own personal thoughts and their own personal stories. And if you try and make it business in that kind of professional, it sounds all wrong. Yeah, it's a good point. But there is also a big space where that overlaps. Yeah. Luckily, where you can be yeasty boys on Twitter and but it be a person who is doing it on behalf of these boys that yeah. has an, a character, it doesn't have to be a character, it can be a real person, but you can be an individual representing a brand. The ones I love, this is going to sound really, it's very niche. Go on. The ones I love are uh, the ancient history museums around the UK that all tweet at each other and they have this whole thing about standing on each other's really hypercourses, which is a big thing. What's and a hypercourse? It's the um, underfloor heating in uh, Roman okay. baths. It's really entertaining. <laughs> 
Museums are generally good at that. It's possibly niche. Are they actually quite good at it? Yeah, there's, there's people them, yeah. sitting around going, what the fuck? Maybe that's what it is. They've got, they've got time, but. They um, all niggle. What's the cat? Wait, wait, wait. Get into the character of the voice. Who the fuck is that? That's a brand. That one we did actually, like, spend half an hour. It was. Uh, the idea was that it was someone who was, again, it's slightly just exaggerated, but someone who worked on the show but was a fan of the show, running around behind the scenes, very excited about everything. And it was almost, one of the presenters was Reggie Yates. And we sort Love of positioned Reggie it Yates. as, imagine it was like Reggie Yates's sort of like cheeky, excited little brother or sister. And that was kind of enough, really. That's enough as a, as a writer. You don't need more than that on Twitter to go, right, And were you doing that. this from your sofa or did you go up to the filmings? Oh, no, with The Voice, I was there. I was on set. I'm lo- I've done loads and loads of shows and <laughs> loads of, like, and yeah, I've been, there's something I can't talk about, but I've been, I did quite a few celebrities in that time as well. There's about two years where I was just sort of, yeah, Put, tweet, I was going to say whoring myself around that would be a terrible phrase a couple of years where I was doing lots of tweeting for lots and lots of brands and mainly brands and broadcasters but quite a, a few celebrities as well there was an agency back then who specialised in running celebrity accounts and through that I did a few big ones and some of that I laughed because when you said about doing it from your sofa like there was some moments where I was I remember sitting under a tree on a hot day just behind the dolphin in London Fields jumping between a very famous American female pop star and jumping to, I think, PG Tips and <laughs> then jump into Dolphin to Jaeger Bombs. I was like, this is a really weird job. But it it was great. I was loving it, really loving it. And I was like 10 times busier than I'd been as a freelance writer before. And because no one else was doing it back then, my flatmate, Helen, who was, who was amazing, and she was working in a big agency... She just sort of started saying, you just need to double your day rate. And I was like, I can't mm. double my day rate. And like, honestly, these agencies are going to pay you whatever. They can't do it. And I remember one night she literally wrestled my laptop off me when I got one of the real, an agency I've always wanted to work for. And yeah, she literally just changed my number to twice as much and they didn't, <laughs> didn't even haggle. And I was like, oh, I'm on, this is really onto something here. So I had about two years where I worked every hour I could possibly work. But you must have to put a lot of research. If you're, if you're doing the, the Twitter post for you know, the tweets for a famous US celebrity, you're going to have to do a lot of research about that person, their life there. Yes and no. What's going on in the world. In that case, in that particular example, it was because it it was part of her partnership with a big trainer brand. Oh, right. So you would just literally So the parameters were quite close. And often with celebrity stuff, I I don't do so much of it anymore, but when I was doing it for lots of celebrities, they'd they'd normally get you in for a specific reason Mm. because they don't need you to go, hey, I'm just like sat in a bar like they can do that it was more right I've, yeah, the, you know she was probably being paid a million to, as part of the but they need to do some really interesting tweets about these trainers and that's, <laughs> that's like cloud work get someone and, and then her this agency like actually there's this guy who tweets for a living should we just pay him to do it and that was it so I was just sat in London Fields pretending to be pop star who I won't name who's had lots of number one singles wow there you go and then did that for a couple of years and then like I say Twitter themselves heard about it and got in touch and were like, can you come speak at our event? We'd love you to tell your story about how you became a, a professional tweeter. So I did and you that. you said, I can for a fee. I did. Yeah, yeah. And they were like, yeah, cool. And then I came and it was at the um, Tate Modern. I'd never done any public speaking before. And I got there and saw, I think there's about, about a thousand people in the audience and it was a massive event and I was so scared and I remember my yeah then girlfriend now wife Lara and my flatmate Helen were both there, 
And I was like, I don't think I can go on. And they're like, you have to, it's such a good opportunity. I remember them taking me upstairs to the bar, giving me a glass of red wine. And then I went on. And it was the most nervous I've ever been, I think, about anything. That's the point you needed the diazepam, actually. With I'm the not red sure wine. how easy that talk would have been on diazepam. <laughs> it may have seemed okay from your perspective. And you like went well. Went well. <laughs> well, really and well. Everyone, I once, did, I once did a gig of <laughs> DJing when I was uh, we we were all taking Valium. Or no, the DJ me and the other DJ bloke were taking Valium. And after we were like, oh, that's really good. That really really, oh, really mad. And, and then really all the really MCs really were like, know, they sorry. were like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? That was a fucking you were fucking useless. And I was like, oh, oh well, I'll go have a lie down. And then I lay down in front of the pub anyway okay that's that's amazing but you stood up and did that <laughs> you stood up and did the public speaking I mean that's kind of funny you're sitting there tweeting to this big audience oh totally it was mad yeah but it's a very then, different thing I was it? mad I know it, and, that, and that, that night like the Dolphin account sort of changed my life because there was so many brands the audience was all brands so I was already quite busy but that, after that night it was like I just couldn't do it all because there were just so many in the audience that, mm. and I was literally just stood there showing telling my story of what I did and then showing examples of tweets that I'd done and because no one else was really doing it and because I guess some of them were vaguely amusing and had done quite well they were just yeah afterwards Twitter said right we've got a load of brands that were in the audience that want to come and meet you um the big one was was L'Oreal and then they gave me their L'Oreal Men Expert account which I did for a few years but there were quite a few and I was L'Oreal gave you the men I mean that seems an antithesis to Dolphin I mean yeah that's what I mean but this is why I loved it and I suppose because I used to write um scripts for MTV then you, you have to imagine yourself as a man with big bouffant tattoos. Yeah, that was a bit harder to imagine. Yeah, because I'm, I'm yeah. not I'm not that that guy in general. I mean, I'm, you're I like pretty it. sexy. No. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're not so bad yourself. But I like a I like a moisturizer and exfoliator. But I think I, I wouldn't imagine I would be the the classic. That's guy. more than I well, know. ironically too, they should write to women really because it's still true. I think that women buy eighty percent of men's that, cosmetic products. Really. No, Sorry, no, it's true. terribly. Um, so they came up, and then you got the big brands, basically. Yeah, I got quite a few big brands, and then just sort of literally did as much of that as I could every day until I passed out, and then yeah, sort of in that two years. You know, probably I mean, got more work and, and earned more than I had done the previous five years, and all of a sudden I was actually making a few quid, and and it was really exciting, and um, and then yeah, sorry, then at the, one of these, it was actually the second time I spoke at a Twitter event. David Schneider was there. He was a speaker. I, I can't remember if it was that night or another one, but he did those things quite a lot because he did and does have a huge Twitter following. I follow him on Twitter. A lot of people do, and he's amazing. And I was I was a big follower and big fan, and um. Again, yeah, the guys from Twitter was like, oh, David Schneider um, wanted to... Oh, no, they mentioned, yeah, that he was going to be there and I was already excited that I didn't meet him. And then it was the next morning, I was at my... Uh, at, before we were living together, I was, I, I was at a house and woke up to this email from him and he was like, oh, I saw you speaking last night. That was really cool. Um, thinking of setting up an agency, can we chat? And wow. I was so excited because I was such a fan of his. And I remember thinking say something cool. And I think I just replied, like, I literally love you. Like, and now I remember saying, like, to Lara was like, you can't actually send that. I was like, oh, I've just sent it. And she was like, he's never going to get back to you. But somehow he did. And um, we went to the pub and I kind of like quoted Alan Partridge at him for a I couple bet. of hours. I can't help he it. That's especially the cheese scene. It happens everywhere he goes. And he, to be fair to him. Sniff my cheese, isn't it? Smell my cheese. Smell my cheese. He yeah. takes it very well. And, he, you know, especially we went to a festival, we did the social for festival one year and just imagine walking around a festival and everyone's wasted. Mm. Like it just was happening every 10 seconds and he never really, you know, he didn't, he didn't lose it. It was cool. Always found it funny. 
They are. Do you know what? They are. They, they, I, you know, I only know a couple of um, celebrity. Only, you know, maybe one. Well, in some regards, not even really that big a celebrity, but he is. Sometimes it depends where you are. Like a lot of people, but Kanye West, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jay Z. Uh, no, um, but it's it, it is interesting the, the how much they appreciate being fans. You know, totally. and I don't think they're doing it through gritted teeth. I remember him saying to me once, like, because he always gets asked the same questions in interviews, and I've been with loads of interviews with him, and it's like. It's it's, it's agony, I find it. He's like, it's okay, you know, people, that's the first time they've asked that question. Yeah, you know? that's a good way to look at it. And I think, to be honest with you, I think David said once, it's kind of, that's not the, it's more annoying, you know, when people stop doing it than you think no one knows no one cares. cares anymore. But I think there are some, I think just through, I remember being at MTV and just seeing, there were definitely some celebs that, that didn't take that stuff well, you know, kind of like people, like, I mean, I don't know. I think if you get to that, but it's big, like you must. I think know. you. you yeah. what, what happens if is when you, you set out on a career to be famous. Yeah. That the point you're famous, people are going to come up of and course, talk to you. you but some people know. at this level, I think once you get to the Tom Cruise, the Brad Pitt, yeah. you will have days where Tom or Eminem. Like this high, right? You have days you you can't do it now. Not everyone knows who David Schneider is. People listening to this is probably twenty percent of you know who he is. He's a comedian. Yeah, yeah. He's hilarious. On the left He's side of politics. He, you, if you see a picture of him, you'll probably think oh, I've seen him in something. Yeah because he's been in a lot of different stuff, you know. But it's like my um, dear friends who are the biggest, were the, you know, the biggest hip-hop act from Slovenia, which is just perfect. In Slovenia, they're gods, yeah? And and everywhere else, no one's got a fucking clue who they are. Yeah, that's a good way to live, actually. That's That's pretty cool. cool. It's kind of the level you want it at, do you know what I mean? I can go to my hometown, everyone's like, eh, you're the fucking boys. What I wanted to, to pull it back a little bit to business, what's interesting is you said character. So I think a business, if, and I don't know if this applies to all social media, if it's just Twitter, is that a business would say, well, we're a brand, so, you know, the brand has a voice or whatever. But I think what I'm pulling out from what you're saying, like the voice, it's almost like, yeah, no, imagine with Twitter, yeah, you're a brand, but you've got to pick someone, a character who is writing. It doesn't have to be a character. It can be a real person. I think where brands go wrong, you just need to start thinking about... Yeah, who, but it's not the brand talking. It's, 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 it's a human it's, talking for the brand. It varies. It varies. But, but I think where it goes wrong is when if brands are too, if they use social media the same way as they use email marketing or something, which a lot of brands do, then you're just not going to connect with people. It doesn't. It, that isn't really it. Particularly Twitter, that isn't how it works. But there are lots of brands who do talk about their brand well, but it feels like you're connecting with one person from that brand. That's where I think it really, most 90% of the, the brands that do it well, I think that's the way in. And I think definitely a lot of the brands that that I've done it for and that we do it for as an agency, it's fine. It's the humanity bit. It doesn't always have to be humor. We, we use humor a lot and it is a powerful tool on social. But the thing we always say, it's one of those awful agency things, but it's true, is it's, it's less about humor and more about being human. And that's what people connect with on social and on Twitter. They want to feel like, but it doesn't matter if you're the biggest brand in the world or a tiny business, they want to know and feel that there's the person at the other end. So that was this week's episode of BWB Extra. Thank you to David Levin for joining us. A big thank you to you, dear listener. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. In the meantime, please rate and review us on Apple, follow us on Spotify and find us on socials at bizwithoutbs. Until next time, it's goodbye.